being yourself, enjoy yourself, have fun. I think the big part about that too is, you know, all things being equal, people buy from who they like talking to and who they trust. So try to make everything else equal, but then also make sure that you provide a good experience throughout this process. Because, you know, I think as a, as a career, there's like a negative connotation associated to sales. And people often just think of like a, a greasy used car salesman, but I think, yeah. exactly, right? And I think it's, it's on all of us now to, to change that connotation by adding a lot of value and making sure that, you know, we provide the right amount of value and support through the sales process. And that's carried on through everything else. Hey everyone, George Soto here and you're watching Demo Diaries. Today I'm joined by Taylor Harrington, who's an account executive at Shopify Plus. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know we met through the roundtables that we were doing mm -hmm. here and thank you for your insight. You know, that's frankly how we figure out how the heck to position and, <laughs> and, uh, and set up messaging. So very much appreciate it. Uh, mm -hmm. Why don't you take a quick second to like introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your career background. How'd you get into technology sales? Yeah, of course. So um, I've been in tech sales since I, I graduated post-secondary. And for me, it was a really strong alignment between my education and my career experience. So all of my education was in marketing and funny enough, all of my previous career experience was in sales. So little did I know that that was going to be something that's often talked about in the industry about that sales and market alignment, but you know, it, it uh, treated me well and got me to work with some really cool and, and growing businesses. Yeah. And you've been working at companies like Vidyard and then now mm -hmm. uh, at Shopify, which has really changed the game, right? Like, isn't it crazy how like yeah. e-commerce really is just happening right now? like at mass scale. I mean, I was chatting yeah. with a buddy of mine when we're talking about globally, right? And like, mm -hmm. I was chatting with a buddy in Mexico a couple, I don't know, I'm going to say like probably three years ago or so. And he was like, dude, most people still don't have websites. Most organizations, yeah. I should say, you know, most people don't have credit cards, which allow for, you know, obviously for online services. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really interesting to see. And you're certainly at the forefront. I think you might actually have an integration with them. They're called Connecta. They're like a payment uh, platform in uh, API in Mexico. Mm -hmm. But anyways, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe right? <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about sales culture and like, mm -hmm. what is it like, at a company that's inherently product-led, that's really been able to build that motion and become super successful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great question too, because it's different from what I had seen at other sales organizations in the past. Shopify is, to your point, a very product-driven organization. So it was build a product first that everybody wants and then we'll figure out how to monetize it mm -hmm. so like very consumer you know product exactly yeah yeah so the the big thing is that it's a very like integrity based selling process you know there's a high emphasis on honesty and education because outcomes are important but our merchant experience is key and you know we believe that if we put the merchant first then the outcomes will effectively follow so you know, we try to focus on long-term partnerships where we're only successful if our merchants are successful and 
Shopify Plus compared to Shopify is where we effectively started to actually stretch up market, not shift because we obviously didn't want to forego the foundation that made us successful and allowed us to grow into who we are today. But we learned that we had to serve that different market segment differently. So as we stretched, we basically maintained that simple and easy to use solution set that provides reliability and scalability that merchants more at market were wanting to take advantage of. So, you know, as a sales culture at a product led organization, it's refreshing to see the emphasis on, you know, simply being human and then helping to solve real world problems. Because to your point, direct to consumer, what was once a, I would say, interesting channel to explore is now a necessity. Absolutely. Yeah. That, you know, those self-serve motions, but like we've been Mm -hmm. advocating that you don't necessarily need just the top of the funnel to be product led. You can come in mid funnel and and start to go product led. So Mm -hmm. totally get it. You've Mm -hmm. worked at some of the most innovative companies period in technology, Vidyard and now Shopify, any Mm -hmm. specific sort of unique attributes of the sales motions at these companies that maybe differ? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I find that there's more similarities and there are unique differentiations between the two. So I feel like we lean into our free trials and our self-serve products to help the customers build familiarity. And I'll say we in the sense of both Vidyard as well as Shopify, because there are a lot of commonalities there. And I th- think that both teams even from a culture perspective, how do they go to market is really focusing on empathy to find the right product for the right customer at the right time. So really focusing on getting a strong understanding of what someone's current situation is as well as what they're looking to accomplish, because then that will allow us to help them through their evaluation process and prescribe the right tool for them effectively. Because we know at Shopify Plus, we do have our whole other core product line, which is gonna be explicitly self-serve. And that could very well be a good fit for somebody. And if they're not ready for Shopify Plus today, that doesn't mean that they never will be, but we wanna make sure that we put their best interest first. Absolutely. Well, let's unpack what Shopify Plus Mm -hmm. is for the folks out there, because they may not be familiar with Mm -hmm. the offering. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, of course. So even starting foundationally, Shopify was very much built and I'd almost want to say like to democratize e-commerce because about 15 years ago, give or take a couple of years, I'm not exactly certain on the date of uh, what it was started, but our current CEO and the other co-founders basically realized that every other enterprise solution available for helping entrepreneurs go direct to consumer was either super expensive or required a fleet of developers to maintain mm-hmm. it on an ongoing basis. And that was very much the birth of Shopify because they wanted to sell direct to consumer and didn't want to rely on these third-party marketplaces. So they effectively built the product. What has happened over those 15 years up until about five or six years ago is we noticed that there were merchants that were more up market that were coming down market to take advantage of our tool set because of the simplicity and easy use, but also provide them with reliability at scale. So. Shopify Plus was effectively born because as we went more up market and I'd say stretch, not shifted, we realized that those merchants had different requirements and those requirements could be around automation to save time to then reinvest that time back into growth initiatives for the business. But the other part too was having more of that alignment from partnership services 
during launch, as well as their ongoing success, not to say that those aren't available on our core product lines, but we wanted to build them into how we served our merchants to enable them to go bigger, to grow bigger, faster, sorry, through Shopify Plus. Does that help? Yeah, totally, totally. Well, cool. let's talk about demos because, you know, mm -hmm. we're all about the demo here. Yeah, uh, Reprise. What do great demos look like in your opinion? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think my perspective has changed as I've gone through my career. So first and foremost, I think it's collaborative. And I want to almost benchmark that statement with talking about how I feel that discovery is a process. It's not an event. So a great demo is really two-way communication throughout. It's focused on requirements as well as the decision criteria to help somebody understand if you are a good solution or the preferred vendor and highly impactful. So we want to make sure that we can reconfirm our understanding of their current situation as well as areas of growth throughout this demonstration so that as we approach the end, we can ask some of those questions that really elicit emotional response. How do you feel about what we talked about here today? Right. And I think our sales process is less about like constantly trial clothing closings as it is to get a better understanding if they think that we're going to be the appropriate partner for their long-term success. Got it. Well, first of all, I love that. The, the idea that discovery is a process, not an event. That's awesome. I love that statement. I'm just thinking mm -hmm. of like tweets <laughs> around that. You know, if you think about when you start to introduce the demo We've been having discussions here, Reprise, as you probably know, maybe you've seen some of the content around, mm -hmm. well, do you do demo first or discovery? We've all been taught discovery because how the hell are you going to know what to demo? I think it's changed a little bit because of mm -hmm. technology and consumer behavior and, and those sort of things and buyer behavior internally at organizations within the B2B uh, scenario, mm -hmm. of course. But how do you balance that, especially at a product-led company where, you know, people are signing up to the product. Maybe they're not familiar with the plus product, but maybe they've signed up to the freemium self-serve product. And now they need that, like, you know, step up. And so they kind of know a little bit, like, how do you actually start to introduce the demo? And when do you do that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think from my experience with Shopify plus, we have a lot of product qualified leads in the sense of people know about our tools and they come in with very specific questions around our ability to help. So I'm still very focused on making sure that I have an introductory conversation to gather as much context about what they're looking to accomplish, because then that will allow me to share if and how we can help out. I feel what dovetails really nicely into that introductory conversation is even something as simple as asking if it's educational project-based because then that will give me more context into how I can help them and the sort of solutions that I can prescribe throughout this process. If it's project-based, similar to any other frame of thought on discovery, we wanna understand not only the pain, but the problem that those pains stem from. And then I think it's also really then focusing on co-authoring that mutual plan. So generally speaking, introductory conversation, start to understand is this educational project-based, if it's project-based, what sort of requirements align to the project and how were we able to help them solve some of the issues that they're having in their current state? I feel that once we get to a point of 
having a pretty strong project plan that we've mutually agreed upon in the sense of we're both accountable to you know, providing a solution, then we can start getting into very tailored demonstration. Because if somebody wants to be able to look at our tool set to see, I would say some of the, the table stakes or turnkey requirements for e-commerce, we highly recommend that they you know, work with one of our tools because majority of people learn by doing. So we wanna make sure that we introduce a demo when it's very aligned to requirements and then strategic initiatives at the business because then that will make sure that we are truly aligned around our ability to help. And how customized do you do the demos when asked, maybe it's a large organization, the enterprise, big potential, you know, potentially big dollars. Mm-hmm. How customized do you, how deep do you go in? It's a great question. And I can fully, you know, understand and appreciate around custom, like rather the question around customizing for a demo at scale. And I think it's very much a one-off. And it, it depends on the merchant and the experience that they've requested. If we're working with multiple stakeholders across multiple groups that have not effectively seen our tools, you know, there's going to be areas that are going to be fairly straightforward and replicated amongst every single demo that we provide. But as we get to some of those more unique use cases, that's when we're going to customize an instance to provide them the look and feel of what they can expect when they're live and launched on our tools. So. Yeah. It varies quite a bit depending on who we're working with and then the requirements that they've told us about. You know, I've heard whenever I've asked this question, I've heard things like, oh, well, it depends on the what we are going to believe that the projected opportunity costs would be or total opportunity opportunities mm-hmm. being the Salesforce opportunity, right? Yeah. And so if it if it we think that this is gonna be a let's just say half a million dollar deal, then will go as customized as possible, as needed. If not, then, you know, there's a, a limit that we'll, uh, that we'll put in place just so we're not mm-hmm. spending too many cycles. Do you have anything like a solutions consulting organization that supports you and that says, okay, well, these are the qualifiers in the same way that they will, will, mm-hmm. will qualify a lead um, or, you know, something at the top of the funnel will use this also uh, as a qualifier for solution consulting or sales engineering resources? Yeah, we work very closely with our sales engineering group at Shopify Plus. But when it comes to requirements for level of customization in a demo, we don't look at opportunity value. And the reason I say that is our pricing has been standardized for last four or five years. Mm-hmm. So all of our merchants know what they can expect to forecast for their total cost of ownership within the first conversation that they have with our team. So the level of tact and care that we put into customizing a presentation isn't necessarily on the opportunity value for us, but more so highlighting the vision about what they can expect working with our team. And we think that goes back to even just our culture right at the beginning about making sure that you know, we put the merchant first and we put the merchants fit first because then that will drive desirable outcomes for us. And we're about long-term partnerships. So we want to make sure that we can highlight not only what they can expect in the first three, six, nine, 12 months, but what that experience will look like with Shopify long-term moving forward. Gotcha. Well, let's mm-hmm. talk about demos or calls going bad. When do you know it's like, oh boy, it's going south here? You know, obviously if someone gets up and hangs <laughs> up, which hopefully that doesn't happen too yeah. much, but anything that, especially in this like Zoom world, right? How do you know how to gauge that? What does it actually look like? 
Yeah, and I think that's, there's twofold there. I think um, one is just like what triggers could you see, but I think it's also equally as important to like, how do we look at building rapport through Zoom or Google Meet, whatever kind of video conferencing tool that you're using. So uh, the short is I think cameras off is never a good sign for whomever I'm working with because it potentially shows that they're disinterested. I also think a lack of questions or a lack of clarification on what we're discussing throughout the discovery requirements review demo, et cetera, also highlights that it's not our opportunity and it could potentially just show that they're having this call for one of a number of reasons, not for actually seeing if and how we're gonna be able to help out. So what I try to focus on inside of the conversations that I have is, is really making sure that my camera's on. And albeit I'm biased coming from like a, a video, yeah, enterprise totally. video SaaS company. Hey, I'm with you. But yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, I think the big thing is that you wanna be your true self. And like, that's often a recommendation that I had heard at the beginning of my career because I used big words, added fluff. And that's not what effectively you would do in a regular conversation, right? So I think it's like simplicity wins. So to build rapport and to make sure that you can take some of those potentially you know, negative calls and turn them into a positive is really just being yourself. Enjoy yourself, have fun. I think the big part about that too is, you know, all things being equal, people buy from who they like talking to and who they trust. So try to make everything else equal, but then also make sure that you provide a good experience throughout this process. Because, you know, I think as a, as a career, there's like a negative connotation associated to sales. And people often just think of like a, a greasy used car salesman, ABC, but I think yeah. exactly. Right. And I think it's, it's on all of us now to, to change that connotation by adding a lot of value and making sure that, you know, we provide the right amount of value and support through the sales process. And that's carried on through everything else. Yeah. My dad's always said people do business with people they like. So exactly. That, that really rings true to me for sure. Like I certainly want to right now, mm -hmm. if it's like the, the product's so <laughs> atrocious that I just can't do it because my job yeah. isn't, would be in jeopardy, then that's a different story. Yeah. yeah speaking of like developing relationships, Taylor, like mm -hmm. how do you do it on zoom and these video conferences in the same way, particularly around like building rapport early on when, you know, it's your first call, let's say, and mm -hmm. you, you, you can't see the nonverbals and those sort of things anything that you've sort of learned from these experiences over the last you know I'd say year and a half yeah um I think we all went into this remote world not not knowing what we don't know right so I think it was like an iterative process of us trying a bunch of stuff to see how well it would work I think by being my true self and just trying to have fun, it allowed me to effectively build reports if I was in person. And I tried to treat the remote experience the same way that I would with meeting somebody at Fates, right? Really trying to get a deeper understanding of who they are, you know, what's going on in their world. And once I'm understanding what's going on in the world is, is how I can help. And I think that the big thing is focusing on, you know, making genuine connections around adding business value. And that's the outcome of every conversation that we feel like it's a mutual beneficial situation. People are going to be more willing to book those next meetings and book those next steps. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily anything too, too different, but it's mm -hmm. replicating, the, sorry, anything too, too different from those in-person conversations. It's just replicating that in a digital world, which can be a little bit tricky at times, mm -hmm. but I think it's always just, Assume good intent with whomever you're talking to and always put your best foot forward and you should be in a pretty good situation. Totally. Well, I have 
a special guest on the show here today. <laughs> this is Arthur, and he, he decided to, to not leave me alone today, so I'm going to have him join here, and he'll help co-host <laughs> here a bit. You know, speaking of like 2020 and mm-hmm. you know, things that happened, how did 2020 change? Well, we, I think we can probably guess our personal lives, but the, particularly like mm-hmm. the way that you sell and anything that really stood out to you that you learned uh, over the last, you know, year and a half here through the pandemic and really the, the change here on our planet. Mm-hmm. I think that there was an increase in empathy and sensitivity to understand everyone's kind of current situation. And for us at Shopify, you know, we understood that direct-to-consumer became a necessity for the majority of the brands that we were working with. So we had the opportunity to solve real problems to help our customers not only survive, but thrive in this new digital world. So, you know, it provided us the ability to kind of step back and look at this from like a very much like a human lens in the sense of we need to be educational and prescriptive while solely focusing on the value that we're able to add and our ability to help from a support perspective. Because you know, often what we talk about with PLUS specifically is how do we help people save time and money and then reinvest that time and money into growth initiatives so that their brand can effectively grow bigger, faster. So I don't think it was necessarily a change in the way that we sell, but I think it's a change in the way that we listen and we understand how everybody's just dealing with this you know, kind of global pandemic that nobody expected. Yeah, totally. And the mm-hmm. word that I keep hearing here is empathy you know, an mm-hmm. understanding. So if there is a silver, silver lining here, it's that maybe we've become a little more compassionate, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least in our industry. Well, mm-hmm. Hopefully the world continues to trend yeah. in that way. Well, Taylor, thank you so much. I just had one last question. If you were to give yeah, folks uh, some tips around like, you know, how to improve their demo today, like something that they can just implement tomorrow, not necessarily a tool that they have to, you know, get approval from sales management and, mm-hmm. this, and those sort of things. Or if it is a tool, maybe something they can just, you know, use product led, right. And uh, install and just get rocking. What would that tip or strategy or advice be? Mm-hmm. Prescribe the process. So try to control as much as possible while ensuring that you are aligned to the overall problem that you're trying to solve. And don't rely on demos as a crutch as a next step. Make sure that they're adding real strong, impactful value to your customers so that you can both leave that conversation with a deeper understanding of what the future partnering together could look like. Awesome. Taylor, awesome. You're such a good dude. Thank you so much for your time. And Arthur's saying the same thing. He's like, Taylor's a good dude. Uh, I hope he crushes his number this quarter. But uh, if folks want to follow you on social media or connect with you, maybe learn more about Shopify Plus or Mm -hmm. perhaps, you know, career opportunities on your team, what are the best URLs or handles to reach you? Yeah, I would say just simply through LinkedIn. I think I'm the... Taylor Harrington as to what my actual profile URL is, but simply look for me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm here and I'm happy to help to your point. It doesn't necessarily have to be about our products. If it's about you know, what I've learned and developed in my career, or even just get a better understanding of career opportunities at Shopify Plus, please don't hesitate to reach out.
Cool. By the way, are you using like Vidyard? I, I remember it used to be called GoPro, I think it was. Or Go Video. Back Go in Video. The day. Yeah, yep. back in the day, it was a, you know, their product led and then I think they rolled it into the platform. Are you yep. using video right now? Yeah, I use a fair amount of video in my processes oh, just cool. because I think it's the best way to replicate being in person. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, well, you know I'm biased, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. All right, awesome. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time and uh, sharing your insights here today and uh, have a great mm -hmm. day. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And um, as always, I'm happy to help. I hope you have a great day as well. Cool. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.